Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. What's up, y'all? I'm KC. And I'm Tyler. And you're listening to The Element Podcast. What's going on, y'all? We are sitting in my house again, man. It's a it's a awesome place to sit on this couch in the quiet during the day. I do a lot of editing. Basically, it's like the back cave, especially if I don't open the blinds. But uh, it's pretty good. Been pretty good mornings, man, weather wise uh, lately. But it's supposed to kind of warm up, and I think that's kind of a, a regional thing, at least maybe a U.S. thing, but definitely around here. Um, and KC and I have been kind of just getting after it uh after getting to south dakota we did a little public land hunting in texas may do a little more before we head out to other places to hunt um but you know for now we're doing a bunch of editing and getting out podcasts you guys finally after having voices mm-hmm. um, we did a q a recently and i think we're going to do another one uh because we didn't get to finish up we had a ton of questions actually still. Um, and we're going to, we're actually, don't be disappointed if your if a Q and a is not your favorite thing, because we're going to actually, uh, we've got a lot of content coming in the next couple of weeks, um, with the rut leading up here. We've got some stuff, some interviews from guys like Jared Mills and Mike Hunsucker, um, talking about different rut tactics, Jared Scheffler. We have a lot of people ask about him. He's, he's, uh, already done an interview with us as well. We're going to talk about that going into the rut. And then you and I are going to have probably some rut stuff we're going to talk about as well. Um, maybe, you know, um, hopefully some of this stuff just leads you guys into that one tactic you needed to break through and kill a giant buck. It's the best time of year, man. I mean, as soon as the weather, um, starts to chill back out for us, we are going to probably have neck swelling and probably there's a good chance I make a scrape up here on the hill somewhere. You know, what's cool is that, um, those late October cold fronts are really nice, but when there's not one 
in the weather forecast, you know what that means? Early November cold Early front. Early November cold front. Because it's coming. It's going <laughs> to happen, right? Like it's That's not how weather works. You don't just get a consistent chilling trend where it drops two degrees every day. Like, mm-hmm. there's going to be a cold front. Yeah. And if it's on November 4th, rage. Dude, <laughs> when, when it was uh, early November two years ago mm-hmm. front and it was one degree in Kansas, that was Oh, terrible. my goodness. You know, that actually wasn't that great of a hunting day from what I remember. I mean, it was it was I, Kansas in early November, I, but... Oh. I had a... Um, I'm pretty sure... Well, I don't know. One of those days when it was like single digit... Mm-hmm. I did have two bucks fighting like crazy. Yeah, you, you remember did. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't but remember if it was it, that day or not. I think that like what I imagine in my mind on those days is just like a train of bucks coming by every 15 minutes, and we didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, um, but... Uh, I'm down for like a, a cold front that goes into the 20s or 30s. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? If it's been like it's lows like, in the 50s, and then have it goes to go down to <laughs> like a low at 27, and you know, the day gets to 45, like that. Mm-hmm. That's my day. Mm-hmm. 45 is it's where I like to be, man. Yeah, 45. I like 45 a lot. I like yeah. uh, 53. I, I can put on, like. you know, two layers on bottom, three layers on top, and just hunt. Mm, I like that a lot. I like 55 or or maybe a little below because you can still hang your meat, uh, especially if it's out of the sun, mm-hmm. and um, and then I also don't freeze my tiny tail off. <laughs> <laughs> in the tree stand, yeah, or tree saddle, whichever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we've we've uh, we've got a lot of stuff coming through that's going to be different. Hopefully, this stuff helps you right around the rut because, uh, and that was our plan is um, to to produce a lot of stuff for the rut uh, to be helpful. But mm-hmm. for now, we've got some several more Q and A hey, type. If things. we got this many questions, that means that dudes are into the Q and A. Yeah, you know what I mean. So. Yeah. And whenever we're doing this stuff, we don't try to speak from expertise. We try to speak from experience. Mm-hmm. So don't ever think that we are experts at stuff because we try to not be. We try to always be doing something new, something we can learn about, and there's always more to learn. <laughs> but we have done a decent amount of stuff. So yeah. if we can tell you, you know, from that point of view, I think that uh, we'll, we will all learn something together. Well, dude, even deal. from – I mean, <clears> I've said this before, but even from – Guys that haven't hunted long, there are things to be learned. You oh, know, yeah. like some a guy may have a different perspective or whatever, but there's always something to be learned. So just having a community that we can all share and listen mm-hmm. from, you know. And speaking of that, we have an Element DIY Facebook group that you guys can uh, request to be added to. Um, and it's just a place where you can ask questions. Casey and I are on there. We answer some questions whenever we can, which is, you know, every time we get one, we try to answer it. Um, but um, there are other guys that are probably way better hunters than us in that group that yeah. Honestly, can answer. Um, instead of like, don't get me wrong. We love DMS and stuff. When people ask us questions, we try to answer them when we can, you know, if we're on a hunting trip, it's kind of hard. But like, if you have a question for us or anybody, you might just post it on that group as opposed to sending us a message mm-hmm. because, uh, you, you'll get a plethora of answers and maybe have more resources to pull from. Yeah. So, so check that out. But yeah. by all means, when we do these Q&A stuff, send us questions for that too because it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Another thing y'all can do that would help us tremendously is to buy merch. Um, I know we say this like every time, but right now we if you don't know what gas that is, money. that's merchandise. Merchandise. Meaning t-shirts, hoodies, and all that. I, I People are getting a little confused with some of our lingo. I've got some LDGG messages recently. <laughs> yeah. Like what's that mean? And uh Wish Sorry, you guys. Wish you knew. Yep. Wish, wish you knew, man. It'd be more fun if you did. <laughs> well, if you figure it out, if you figure it out what LDGG means, hashtag LDGG, send us a message. And if you figure that out, we'll let you know. If you don't, if you don't have the right 
terminology when you message us we're not telling you what it is yeah. so yeah. but we'll let you know if you do it right so um like i said you can go to our website and buy shirts and stuff like that that helps us out a lot when you gas money um but outside of that uh we'll stop stop uh hammering you after we got a bunch more hoodies <laughs> and they're a good color and they are like super soft on the inside they so, are yeah i love them i wear mine i wore mine yesterday and it smelled and i was like i don't care <laughs> i like this thing so i'm about to go wash it here in a minute um let's see so we'll we will start with oh by the way thank y'all so much for the support on the kansas buck that released a week ago that thing got over 10,000 views a day in the first mm-hmm. week so that's pretty awesome thank y'all for sharing the message and and uh spreading the the word of the element and and trying to uh, help us out there and watching as well it means a lot to us uh we got more south dakota stuff coming soon mm-hmm. i'm actually um releasing we release we will release on wednesday and then uh probably sunday this week so be looking for that anyway go to the questions now kc are saddles worth the learning curve uh, I'm assuming the kind that you sit in, right? Not um, the ones that you sit in. I think this is the one you ride, ride a horse with. Okay. Uh, so if you're talking about the saddle you hunt out of and not the train feature, uh, I would say absolutely. Um, Me too. I don't think there is that much of a learning curve. If you're used to being in a tree stand, you know, if, if you're used to hunting from the ground and you go to a saddle, it might be a little bit of a learning curve. <clears throat> but And Eric has actually a lot of good perspective on this. We might revisit this some with him later. Yeah. Um, but... Um, For me, it was like, okay, I just need to learn to, instead of sitting my tree stand up on the side I expect the deer to come from, sit it up kind of opposite or catty-cornered to it, and you're there. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think um, for me, the first couple of times sitting in it, I had to get used to, you know, like where to put my stuff. But Mm -hmm. all it is, guys, the saddle is just like kind of like a harness that goes around your butt, right? And then you've got a rope that's a tether that people call a tether that goes to the tree and then you've got a lineman's belt that you go up the tree with just like you do with a saddle or uh, with a, a harness and so there's really you know you're still got pretty much the same type of stuff that you have with a harness that you use in a tree stand you just you know figure out the comfort uh by either moving your tether up and down the tree in front of your mm-hmm. face um or loosening your belt a little bit or whatever. But I can tell you right now, the cruisers that we've been running, like I haven't even adjusted it hardly at all as far as like, you know, it mm-hmm. should go on this notch on my hip or whatever. Like they're just comfortable. Mm-hmm. So like I don't have to worry about with the cruiser, like in some, some was the, the one we hunted with last year a little bit, um, did fine. They were absolutely, you know, a gift and we loved them. Uh, but like they, where I had to adjust them sometimes, and I just haven't had to do that mm-hmm. with these. So, yeah, super nice. If you have the cruiser, you I mean you're going to find comfort somewhere I think pretty easy. One thing uh, that's hard to swallow about uh, jumping into a saddle is uh, it's a lot of money for something that's not metal. Yeah, uh, and when I say a lot of money, like it, this, that's relative, right? But um, that was something I had to kind of get over somewhat. Was that you know I understand like or it's easier for me to understand paying money for a big metal thing because it's like hard and big whereas a saddle 
is a lot smaller and lighter weight and it's cloth, but it still costs a decent amount. Well, part of that's liabilities and part of it's just with a cruiser, especially like good workmanship and craftsmanship on this thing. And you're, you have to think of it more of, would you rather spend $200 to make sure your life is not in jeopardy or $600 to make sure your life is not in jeopardy? Yeah. I'm going to err towards the more expensive side of that, you know, because I want something that's really well built. Made in America, right? So, like literally sewn here, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what the cruiser stuff is. And uh, it, once you realize that and realize how mobile it is, it takes the place of fifteen tree stands. It's it's you know it's a no brainer. Yeah, for sure. Um, what's your favorite tree species to climb during archery season, and why? Ooh, that's that a saddle? good question. It is I a like good this. question, man. I like this. Do you have yours right off the bat, or do you? Because I, I might need to think. Um, I'll let you think. Um, my favorite tree species to climb during archery season. Well, this is this is a trick question because mm-hmm. um, I'll, uh, when I'm sitting in a cottonwood, I feel like I'm in big deer country, mm-hmm. but that's not necessarily the case. Um, I would say a lot of times I find myself if I'm if I'm talking about easy, um, an ash tree is a good is a good easy hang. A lot of times the they they tend to have like. Um, uh, split trunks about you know eight or nine foot up a lot of times mm-hmm. so you can get hidden within those trunks without having to get too high and you can still get shots out of them pretty easy mm-hmm. but as far as like cover goes um early before they drop leaves um hackberries but getting shots out of them are difficult mm-hmm. so because they're real woolly yeah but yeah. i mean if i can find the right um you know oak trees can sometimes be too big um and they're for me like when I'm not in East Texas, I don't hang in many mm-hmm. oak trees. So I would say probably an ash tree is just a good starting spot for me to say that's one of my favorites because I can get up them really quick and easy. They're usually yeah. good, decent sized for me to get ropes around, and um, they are easy to get shots out of on public. I have some counterpoints to your ash tree, but we're not here to debate it. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to go a different direction. Uh, I like the hackberry thing but because I went through the gamut of all this stuff in my mind, right, what you're talking about. Um, I like ash trees, but a lot of times cover's a little tough to get in, and they're a little wiggly. Um, I think that an elm tree oftentimes lends itself to kind of the best of all this stuff. Yep. Where it's – one thing I've noticed, too, is that trees with a finer grain bark – your sticks bite better into mm-hmm. so like pine trees or big oak trees or big cottonwoods sometimes it's hard to get your sticks hard on there hackberries 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 usually have finer grain right they got them little warts all over they do them. sometimes have the warts that all can over make it pretty when they're small yeah so um elms have a finer bark somewhat soft so you can get a, a good bite into it a lot of times elm trees also have um branches at the right length to where like you might only need one stick to get up the tree because Mm -hmm. you're stepping and climbing and grabbing sticks all the way up um and then um they're usually pretty straight and they have decent cover in early season so i'm going to say elm tree is probably my favorite as far as ease of climbing that's a good one i like elms a lot too but um Basically, with elm, hackberry, and ash, those leaves come off pretty early. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing you have to keep in Dude, mind. But really, go ahead. There's a crunch fest underneath a hackberry tree. Oh, those yeah. Those leaves get real dry. Yeah. Uh-huh. Talk about, you need some wind cover when you go to set one of <laughs> but those. if a deer comes through, you hear that sucker. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. it's fun. I mean, the, the, the best tree to hang in in archery season is the one that is 
close enough to the trail to get a shot that you want to get that's a shot at. Killing tree. That's, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Just you got to mm-hmm. find a way to get into the tree and get shots that's out what, of it. And that's what saddles help you do too. That's right. P.S. That's right. Um, what time of season do you prefer not calling and staying silent? Mm, I would say early season. Um, I've been I've grunted at some deer, um, recently that didn't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that as things go into later season, that means more uh, as far as vocalizations goes. Um, I don't know how I feel about grunts in like late December, but pretty much from October 15th to about December 10th, I feel pretty good about grunting at something. Yeah. What do you think? Um, or definitely early season. Um, I would way rather, I'd feel way better about throwing a grunt out in the late season probably than early, early season. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you grunted a deer in on October 4th last year. Yeah. I grunted, me and Hunter grunted two bucks in on the 7th or something mm-hmm. this year. Um, qu- they were close, but we, I mean, they came right in. Yeah. South Dakota is different though, too. You know, uh, it's just uh, that pl- the plane stuff is a little bit different. But, Less pressure. Um, I think that one thing that I've noticed about like the deer, I, at least I grunted in early season last year, he was cautious when he came in. He was very inquisitive, like, what's going on over? He didn't come over like, oh, where's this deer at? You know, like, let's do this thing. He was he was cautious about it. So Yeah, well, it was wide open. He mm-hmm. knew. He knew. He was like, where's this deer yeah. exactly? Yeah, so. so it may have been something to it. Um, are grunts more effective than rattling? Depends on what you're going for. <laughs> uh, I think that if – for I, pigs, usually, but I have rattled in a pig too. So yeah, I have never. I have never. That's not true, man. I don't know. I, what do you think? I like to grunt before I rattle. If I'm, if I can see the deer. Yeah. If I'm blind, a lot of times I'm. I'll just skip the grunt because I'm like I don't blind grunt a whole lot. I don't either. Um, but yeah, I usually am grunting first, um, and seeing the reaction from there, it, unless it's really far away and I don't think it can hear me. I'm thinking about 20, was it 20? They can hear further than you think. Though, oh yeah. Grunts. What the, the buck I missed on the ground because my air hit grass in Kansas, we rattled off the bat for him, but he was like 350 yards away. Way out. So you know that like, that's the only way he's going to hear you if you crack them antlers. Dude, how scared were you when he just turned and came right at us? Oh man, <laughs> it was, it was wild, Ooh. right? Yep. But in, in last year I grunted in a deer at like 180 yards. Yeah. So like they're into it. I think that, um, I would go with you as far as like unseen rattling is a thing you can do. Uh, Sight, like if you have line of sight to a deer, uh, read their demeanor and decide what you should do. Yeah. You know, um, I also think that uh, grunting at deer is a good way to get a big buck to come to you. I think that when you rattle, you're liable to have a spiky come in. Yeah. And I, so I did that last year. You know, I on the ground, yeah. I thought I was going to rattle in a big buck because I like had seen him and I made a stalk and rattled, and then here comes this dinker. It came to two yards away. You also <laughs> rattled in two deer from two different directions last year on public in Texas, and almost the little ones oh, messed yeah. up your big six mm-hmm. kill. So that's right. Um, you know, one thing about rattling is you also got to think about the time of year. You know, if you're going to rattle hard because he's way out there, I mean, you can obviously you can do this at any time and take your chances. But um, if it's like mid December, deer are just not really fighting full out. Mm-hmm. You know, so like 
you know, using lighter rattling and stuff might be good. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer real or fake antlers? Real. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Uh, the, now, I do like the fact that you can carry a rattle bag in your little pouch. Yeah, that's what of... I've been carrying a lot because rattle, rattling horns are hard to carry. Mm-hmm. They just don't, like, at least mine, at least. I mean, I can't even bungee them on there and know that they're going to be there when I get to my stand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they, they fall off easy, and mm-hmm. they don't pack very well. So mm-hmm. that's the that's the one setback for that. Uh, what's your blaze orange setup for federal land? Does it change from early to late season? Well, I have an orange toboggan I keep around. To, that's a like a beanie, if, yeah. if you're not from the south, um, uh, that I keep around. But pretty much an orange hat and orange vest just stays in my pack and i uh um talk to talk to your local game wardens because some of them are different on this stuff uh, you, you know if, if if the if the book says have on orange you should have on orange some game wardens will tell you once you get in your tree you can like take that off of your body mm. and put it in the tree or something like that that's kind of what i usually do yeah um early season a lot of times don't need it um it just depends i guess on squirrel season and whatever else is going yeah. on but like yeah you just got to read your read your regs um most most times 400 square inches um front and back and then a head orange something on your covers you yeah. so uh i go with the lightest weight thing i can do but not the plastic ones yeah. Um, it, you can go look like at Lowe's at the safety vests, and a lot of times you can find a mesh one that's real lightweight. I like those a lot. Uh, somebody wants to know when we're coming out with fishing shirts or merino long sleeves with our logo on them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a request for that last night. Did you as really? well? Yeah, a so, merino or a fishing shirt? Uh, just a long sleeve with oh, uh, yeah, yeah. element long sleeve. Yeah. So the merino seen. would pr- be pretty slick for sure, but probably be real expensive. Yeah. Um, go through your early, mid, and late season. Apparel setups. This oh. was particularly asking about Sika, but we wear all kinds of stuff. So. Well, we do have a Sika video, or are we eh, Sika heavy video? Yeah, about still that apparel. stuff. Uh, yes, it, um, but we mixed in a bunch Pro. of different stuff in there on that. <laughs> uh, it's on YouTube. I think it's complete camo setups. What it might be called? Yeah, or something, something like that. Like that. Um, but um, pretty much. We were talking Make about this the other day. Overview, you know, here. Yeah. I I always try to have one more piece of warm stuff than what I think I actually will need in my bag. So most of the time throughout the year, I'm carrying uh, everything except my base layer is on my body. Or I'm sorry, my base layer is on my body and everything else is in my pack. And right now that is I will have a mid-weight hoodie and a jacket in my pack. And that's going to get me to, you know, down to 35 in the tree stand pretty easily. What about you? Um, early season, I'm usually wearing some kind of synthetic um, upper that dries out, early, like, quick, which I have a, a sick of short sleeve that I wear a lot that they sent me. And um, so I just wear that a lot. Um, sometimes I'll wear a T-shirt if it's not too hot. Um, and then... Basically, I run a little bit colder than KC, so I usually just kind of know what I'm running or, like, how I'm going to feel and what temperature is and just try to make sure I have plenty of stuff. Um, Like, pretty much just work through from – like, early season also another thing I have is a full – I have a mask and a hood of some sort um, that is mosquito – impenetrable <laughs> and so i usually it stinks man but when you're when it's 95 to wear that thing it's not fun but like 
if you can keep the mosquitoes off you, man, it just helps you to hunt so much more still. I can, I can grow a pretty good beard, so that helps me with that, I think. Yeah. So I don't mess with that. Too That's much. one thing I would say is I, I wear a uh, one of those uh, muffs or buffs or whatever they're called. I forget what they're called, mm-hmm. but it's like a like fishing guys wear them where they go over your face. And I wear those during the cold um, because if I because it'll keep my ears warm, it like pushes my ears up against my my head, you know, and stuff. And so it, like it literally, I can hunt in as cold as I've ever been in and my ears have not gotten cold in one of those buffs Mm -hmm. and I don't need a toboggan or beanie or whatever. And it helps me to hear better. I can hear way better than I can if I put a hood on or a, um, or, you know, a beanie or whatever. I do my best to not cover my ears no matter what. Yeah. Because I just like, but that's a good point of like, if you're going to get one of those little polyester lightweight things and just suck your ears to the side of your head. I can hear way better. I'll tell you what else, a, a stay warm tip. Pay attention to what hat you have on, because I I have been guilty a lot of times of wearing a mesh hat way too late in the season and just <laughs> getting cold. And like, dude, if you will wear a solid hat or put a toboggan on over your hat, like you will stay so much warmer. Yeah, I um I go from early season though. I end up going into the late with like I usually have I, I like coveralls a lot, mm-hmm. um, but you know I would have a bib or a big jacket. And for me, I mean, like it sounds silly, but I'll have I may wear like total on top, I may have seven layers in the late season. I'll have, you know, like. It sounds silly until you go up north and hunt when it's real cold. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll put like a light merino on. I got a heavyweight merino, which I don't think Sika makes that anymore, but dadgummit, that's, that's a good nice piece. piece, man. <laughs> uh, then I'll have like a down or like some kind of. You got uh, a scree down jacket that's real warm. Yeah. I mm-hmm. love that thing. Um, I'll usually wear a down or two and then like. A mid jacket, maybe a big jacket, and then coveralls, you know, somewhere all layered together if it fits. And yeah. it gets kind of difficult to, to hunt out of sometimes when you're bow hunting. But For me, I try to make sure and have that windproof layer of some sort on the outside because mm-hmm. I feel like that helps a ton. Like if you, the wind's just not dragging the warmth off of you, because that's actually what wind does, right? It, it pulls the warm air that your body's trying to hold in off your body and then replaces it with cool air. Uh, so if you can have that windproof something, what, it doesn't matter what that is. You know, you can go from a Carhartt jacket on that's something that's windproof on the outside. It's going to help you stay a lot warmer as yeah. opposed to just a bunch of fluffy. Um, that video that shows kind of what we did at least with a couple years ago, some of this has changed, but it's called Our Deer Hunting Camo System. You can check it out in our uh, gear playlist. Um, okay. What is the size or what size is the minimum size of score of buck you would shoulder mount? Mm, that's subjective. It is. Yeah. We've talked about that's this a question. lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, assuming we're talking about, you know, whitetails, not, not um, what are those things called? Hunter killed? Uh, coos? Coos deer. Okay. Yeah. Like, but like, um, I might mount a, and, you know, because here you have six points and stuff like that, you know, that it's just like, well, I, I would mount a 136 point for sure, mm-hmm. you know. But, I don't know, that Pope and Young range is kind of where I'm thinking about it. Yeah, that's kind of me too. I just think like, you know, whatever, <clears throat> it it's, uh, it's what you like art-wise or <laughs> mount-wise and deer-wise versus mm-hmm. what your budget is. I mean, if six hundred bucks ain't a big deal to you, then get you a shoulder mount. You Absolutely, know? that's uh, that's the tough thing. You yeah, know? like you know, I, that's <clears throat> kind of the first thing I thought about. I was like, well, depends on how much money I have at yeah. the moment. 
I love shoulder mounts. I just think there's, I mean, like I would rather pay 600 bucks for a shoulder mount than any other piece of art I could put oh, on a yeah. wall, you know. Especially NFT, right? <laughs> is that what it's called? No. NTF uh, or something? It, it is NFT. NFT, yeah. Non-fungible trade. Yeah. Uh, something, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that's that's up to you, man. Just, you know, there's no, no right or wrong. Nobody, there's, you know, don't post a picture of your shoulder mount on the forums on or on Facebook because then you're going to probably have guys that rage you, but they're going to rage about everything. So That's right. Um, just be happy with what you got. So, except for the Element DIY group. No rages allowed. I hadn't seen any rages on That's there. That's right. Um, what game bag do you prefer for Whitetail? Uh, Black Ovis. Black Ovis? Yeah. Um, is that black turkey egg or what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Ovis is uh is sheep. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right, Ovis. Yeah. What's the turkey? It's uh uh I don't remember. Uh anyways, um yeah, that's a that's a website y'all can go check out. They got a bunch of hunting stuff, but they make their own line of game bags you can use any of that stuff. What conditions in Texas would call for a meat hauling bag? Same the same type of bags that we're talking about? What I think conditions? this is like um oh, something with a meat a shelf pack. or something, a pack, yeah. Yeah. Uh, steep ground or thick vegetation, or long distance. Even, long distance, maybe. yeah. If you can, I mean, the thing is, some of these Texas properties don't let you quarter it up to get it out, which I think is the dumbest thing. Yeah. Um, but um, if you can quarter it up, I bet it, you ought to check the regs on that. Have you? Most people, <laughs> I don't think people think about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, um, you know, it just depends on the ground. If the ground's muddy or if there's a bunch of fallen timber, you know, or whatever, like mm-hmm. that could be tough. Uh, carting a deer through um, vines could be tough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's... It's also loud, so if you intend on you or another buddy hunting yeah. in there, yeah. uh, you know, uh, putting a deer on your pack is way quieter. Yeah, and if you're with a buddy, you can get a deer out in one haul probably. Easy. So, especially in Texas. Yeah. Um, what socks do you prefer for late season? Mm, uh, mid-weight merino. Yeah. Depends on how far I got to walk. Y'all know, if you listen much, you know my sock changing regiment. Mm-hmm. I uh, usually, if I have to walk far, I change my socks when I get to the tree stand if it's a really cold day, and it keeps me way warmer. Um, Casey's the sock man, for sure. I'm just kind of a doofus. Um, <laughs> I, I'm i the same way, like a mid-weight merino, probably. Um, merino, pretty much full throughout the season yeah if you're gonna go with a heavy weight wool sock you almost need a specific pair of boots to go with that because most of us don't have enough room in our standard boots to go with a heavyweight sock and be comfortable because what you what people don't realize is that when you put a heavyweight sock and you jam your foot down into your boot and you don't really have enough room uh a that compresses the wool which makes it less um warm but you're doing away with all the the airspace within your boot which makes it less warm too and then you're constricting the blood flow to your feet because it's so tight and that's like that's why people get super cold with heavyweight socks on mm-hmm. that's why i go with a, a merino that's midweight um you know which means kind of um not um thin but not super thick and uh change them and put dry ones on when i get there and i mean i've worn those 
rubber boots with those and been in some real cold situations and not your feet are always going to get somewhat cold my toes are cold right now thank you <laughs> yeah <it>. yeah <laughs> but it. uh the the idea is to just like mitigate things as well as you possibly can yeah right. um so speaking of this you already talked about kind of your uh regiment for keeping your feet um uh, not so sweaty how do you stay cool and manage sweat uh where the least amount as possible and walk in the shade walk in the shade where um some synthetic that'll dry out really quickly mm-hmm. um you know like it makes sense you think about it it's like it would make sense to wear a merino early season because if you sweat it can keep your odor down mm-hmm. but dude those merinos if you sweat in them will be wet for three days from now yeah so another thing is only wear rubber boots when you really need to yeah. I think people got on the craze about rubber boots, and I wear them pretty often because they are kind of impenetrable, which is nice. Like walking through the brush is nice with rubber boots because your shins don't get all banged up. But uh, they're a good way to get your legs and feet hot, which then in turn kind of regulates your whole body temperature. If one of you, one part of you is hot, all that blood is getting pumped through the rest of your body, and it's getting your whole body hot. So if you can wear, uh, you know, hikers or something like that um, when it's hot, it'd be better. Speaking of boots, what's your best way for stalking or walking quietly to your stand? Wait, real quick, back to the last question. I also take my hat off a lot when I'm walking. If I mm-hmm. have an extra hand, that helps my my head to mm-hmm. blow some steam. But uh, anyway, back to this. How do you? Uh, what what boot do you like for the quietest approach? I don't. I don't mess with that too much. Yeah. Uh, the I, other day, Hunter and I took our boots off. The only mm-hmm. reason I did it's because Hunter. Made you. Hunter was the hunter, and I was the camera guy, and he took his boots off. I was like, well, I can't be the camera guy that doesn't take my boots off. And then you know what I did? Stepped on a cactus. So <laughs> that was fun. Sold and out. He, that, <laughs> the deer that we were stalking, Tyler had to nearly jump on his head to get him out of the bed. So we literally got down to our socks for no reason. Hey, saw it on TV one time, That's man. That's it, dude. Got to do it like they do. I know. Um <laughs> I think uh, I'm the same way. Like, I just try to be quiet when I walk mm-hmm. in whatever boot I'm in. Like, yeah. don't step on sticks, you know. I mean, got to kind of up and down, see where you're going, see if there's deer ahead yeah. of you. But at the same time, don't step on a Slow is cracker. quiet, pretty much, when it That's comes exactly to that. Right. Uh, but I usually feel quieter in, um, like, a mid mid uh hiker or whatever you know than i do in like a rubber boot i bet you i could wear these new balance and stalk better than them than i could anything else yeah so whatever that's worth yeah um okay in late december in early january what are deer and pigs feeding on in the morning <clears throat> corn feeders <laughs> <laughs> that's right whatever corn feeder has not run out yet that's right after some dude smoked a giant off of it in um, november but outside of that a lot of times in Texas, you get that wild rye that comes up if yeah. you, if you've had a little moisture. They eat on that stuff. Privet uh, berries, privet berries, and honeysuckle. Uh, the um, water oak and willow oak acorns will still be around. Sometimes even dropping. The hogs hammer year. those late season. Yeah, and they'll be a lot of times they're just piled up under the trees, and you just just, yeah. just eating them. dirt and stuff too. That's right. They don't care. <laughs> Um, that's, but that's, that's spoken from an East Texas perspective. Yeah. You hit up North, I mean, winter wheat fields, you know, that's where it's at. And, and there's still the hogs, beans. So I'm assuming they mean South. That's what I was yeah. thinking too. Uh, you know, beans and stuff like that too, maybe mm-hmm. up North, right? Um, okay. Can you both demonstrate how you walk in and set up? 
Not very easily yep. on the podcast. Watch the 2021 <laughs> season playlist. Uh, <laughs> we try to do our best to kind of show some of that stuff when we self-film. Uh, People tend do, to not watch it. Yeah, well, it's pretty hard to document that. Um, but pretty much, um, I think you you can say this quickly because you kind of have a pretty good system for like how you walk in and then set up. So, like, what do you carry versus what's in your pack? Um. So we actually just did a video on KC setting up his saddle. So that can help you all to understand how, what that looks like if you want. Um, it's called How to Hunt a Single f- – How to Hunt – Hang a Saddle Fast. <laughs> Good. Single song. Uh, yeah, How to Hang a Saddle Fast. Anyway, I typically put everything in my pack, which includes 500 camera batteries and all that good stuff. And I walk in with my bow and my sticks in my other hand, basically. Bow in one hand, sticks in the other usually. Um, I'm thinking about moving to a bigger pack now, um, right now at least, kind of a bit later in the season already, even though it's kind of still hot. Um, And putting my, like, two sticks on one wing and two on the other on the backpack. But either way, I can do... That I can walk in very quietly um, with wind that is blowing away from where I expect deer to be and also hopefully taking a route into my tree that lays no ground scent um, where a deer would hang up and not give me a shot or not have already presented me a shot. And then as far as like um, setting up, I typically I'm a right hander, so I try to set up so that I have right handed shots uh, you don't want to be like our friend from South Dakota who likes to pull the bow straight to his sternum. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you want to make sure that you've got shots uh, for a right-hander to my 9 o'clock, right? And then for a left-hander, probably to your 3 o'clock. Like, mm-hmm. that's the ideal shot is you don't have to move and you shoot your deer at 9 or 3, depending on what hand you are. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of my, my uh, thoughts. Everything else is... Uh, dependent upon really the situation. Yeah. Personally, uh, I try to pick a tree that's not um, leaning too far into me. Yeah, me too. I I don't want to be in a saddle with my platform on the tree and then actually have a tree like up in my face because Mm -hmm. it's leaning out at me. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing I did. Chad Chad doesn't like this, but um, I may have been in the minority, but I like a tree that leans away better than I do forward, even out of a saddle. But we are leaners. And yeah. other people are sitters, and I think that makes a difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they can just sit like a little, one of those baby toys that spin around over mm-hmm. their crib. They mm-hmm. just sit like that when yeah. they've got a tree leaning to them. Um, how are you concealing your climbing system for deer? I just put it on the opposite side of the tree that I think deer are going to come from and just leave it at that. Pretty much me too. Sometimes that doesn't work out. Sometimes I can't do that. Because mm-hmm. I also, like if I'm close to bedding, I try to go up the side of the tree that's going to give me the least amount of scraping on branches going up mm-hmm. and stuff so you know sometimes you just gotta shoot the deer for it sees your stick but yeah uh, i didn't do that in iowa a couple of years ago and i was real sad i uh also have swapped out some straps and i like a gray strap the best uh instead of like a if you're using webbing like a one inch black web or dark green web shows up pretty bad on a lot of trees mm-hmm. um how do you know it's time to buy a new bow? Do bows show any signs of stress? Because this is a KC question. <laughs> they do. Uh, I, and who knows about the newer bows, but a lot of times there's this thing called cam lean that you can't um, like fix. And I don't know a ton about this. Is but this where um, Cam gets on Instagram yeah. and leans forward and starts it. running real that's fast? It. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. 
Uh, or he's like just cutting weight, so he's real lean, you know. Oh yeah, that's um, exactly it. Yeah, that's but for the sure. cams are the wheels on your bow, uh, the <laughs> top and bottom, and uh, sometimes they get this thing over time where they just kind of lean one direction or the other. But otherwise, um, maybe the lamination is starting to come off your limbs, um, or you have splintering in your limbs. Like that's an ASAP getting a, get a new bow <laughs> yeah. type deal. Uh, but otherwise, Don't I mean, pull back again. they'll shoot. For a long time, you know, uh, it there might be telltale signs of like just a bow is impossible to tune. Maybe that's an issue. A lot of older bows mm-hmm. are harder to tune, anyways. A lot of newer bows are harder to tune too because they're just such sports cars that they're just. It, it would be like me getting in like a Lamborghini and trying to drive the thing. Like you just got to have a little training for it. But um, anyways, that that's what I would say. If you have an older bow and it still shoots really good, it's never been dry fired. Um, then, you know, you, there's no reason to get a new one unless you just want a new one or you're trying to get a little extra speed or silence or something. Um, must have snacks and drinks for a road trip. Kyle Bennett, I'm <laughs> tired of you. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about that guy this morning. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think we answered this sometime, but for me, trail mix and maybe some kombucha. Kombucha. I wouldn't say it's a must-have. I would like to have it, but I can't always find it. Yeah, exactly. Um, We're in Casey's country. They're always going to have Trilogy and Ginger Aid. Yeah, what yeah. are they thinking? Um, I don't know. I like Ginger Aid all right. Ugh, I would rather have original than I Ginger I only like Aid. Ginger in my stir-fry. Yeah. Um, so, for me, probably Pop-Tarts and water. Um, <laughs> do y'all, wow, water for sure, too. Do y'all use DeerCast? It's, is it effective in East Texas? I've never logged. Apparently, you get it free with Onyx now if you have the Elite. So, if you're an Elite member of Onyx, um, then you there's a bunch of stuff you can get free or discounts through. And DeerCast is one of them. It's a Drury thing. Um, if you're not an Elite member of Onyx, you should do that because um, if you plan on hunting more than one state, dude, it is the best. I, let me tell you how many days I have spent in March just on the map looking at Maine. Just dreaming of hunting, you know? Yeah. But, like, Tyler and I do this all the time, and it's nice to just have all 50 states. Um, but I would imagine that there's some validity to it. I yeah. mean, if they got... I've so, heard lots of success stories, even sure. from people that have no, um, you know, no yeah. reason to... I heard Terry Drew last night talk about DeerCast is the reason he killed a 170 yesterday, but, you know, probably a little bit of... Was it that ten point? Because I thought that was like a one eighty four. I I just, I just guessed it. Yeah, oh. the ten point. I don't know. Dang, you underguessed him, dude. I I yeah. Dang, typical forum guy. No, here. no, dude. Under- just, I'm just trying to be deer. conservative. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Uh, I mean, let me tell you something. <laughs> Difference in a one seventy and a one eighty four is fourteen inches of awesome. Is all it is. They're both seven percent. But they're both toads. Um, but uh, so here's the thing that I think is weird. Uh, I think when people start talking about like these specific moon phases and stuff like that, it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a thing, right? And you were talking about one a while ago before we got on 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 air, and I didn't think you were dumb for it, but I'm like, yeah, maybe. I ain't you know? dumb. Um, but and even the barometer, man. You think Hunter's dumb? Sometimes, yeah. Uh, okay, but not all the time. He's smart <laughs> on some things. Um, but um, like. Wind direction and temperature and weather predictions, those are what's important. And I think that the reason people pay attention to the barometer is because it is a it is a um, indicator of other things that are going on because when a big front comes, usually that is a high-pressure system. And uh, it's not because the barometer, but it's because 
of what comes with that. And that's yeah, why certain LeBron, weather, certain yeah, temperatures. Exactly. Yeah, certain uh, things that get deer mm-hmm. moving. And the thing with deer cast, I think, <clears throat> I probably shouldn't speak too much about this. Maybe you have some thoughts. You might have looked at it more than me. But um, it's going to be uh, just an algorithm of all of this stuff. Like if you want to just have a quick thought of like what you should do, it's going to say, hey, it's a good day for where you're at. And you don't have yeah. to do all the math and deciding if this is good. Also, if you have an opportunity to go hunt, go hunt. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of how what I think about those prediction things. That's, I mean, that's the same way with me. Um, I think that um, the app is probably pretty accurate overall. Um, but I can tell you that there's a couple of factors such as human pressure, where the deer is living, how big is your property, you know, is he daylight on your property that you can't overcome with just the fact that an app's telling yeah. you it's a good day to Where'd a hot dog take him yesterday? Yeah. You know, yeah. all that so, stuff. That's exactly exactly right. It's just get out and hunt, man. And if, you know, but what's exciting, I think this is, this is what people get off on with the moon, mm-hmm. with the barometric pressure sometimes, but with the moon especially <laughs> and with this app is it's somebody like... You're in, if you don't have a chance to go, you're probably not looking at the app. Mm-hmm. So when you when you have a chance to go and you look at the app and it says "great day to go," mm-hmm. that's hype, dude. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> it's just like when you're like, "Oh man, I love that red moon underfoot." Uh, you know, ninety degrees Texas style, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. which is a double moon. In case you didn't know, um, <laughs> a double moon. <laughs> and, um, so Luke Skywalker. That's over what Texas here. style is. Yeah. Um, you know, and and when they see that and they know they're hunting this weekend, they're like, "Gosh, this is the hypest thing ever, dude." You know. Yeah. So I think it's a hype thing more than anything, and that, not that it's bad or inaccurate necessarily, but that, and uh, that gummit, dude, Mark and Terry kill some big deer. Yeah. So. They aren't going to give you misinformation on purpose. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. So how often do you cover scrapes? What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe you cover them up so that you only have one scrape in the area or something? I, d- I doubt it. Uh, that's an interesting tactic, though. Right. I think wanna... it, they probably, that person's asking, uh, like, how much do we talk about it or something? But oh. probably the real question is, like, what do you think about scrapes, Tyler? Um, I think they're awesome. I think they're one of the key tactics for me to know that a deer is in the area um, that is serious about being shot. How many deer did you kill over scrapes last year, Tyler? Killed one in uh, Illinois. I killed one in Kansas. And I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's two, a lot. That's yeah. a lot of deer in one year. Two big deer over scrapes. Yeah. Um, and both at very different times of the year. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you find a fresh scrape, is a good reason to at least put a camera somewhere that can mm-hmm. monitor it without spooking them. What do you think? Anything you guys love scrapes. It's my favorite deer sign to find. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm ready to find some soon. How close to a rub are you willing to set a trail camera? Doesn't even factor into it. <laughs> as far as possible. Yeah, I, 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 I rubs. Uh, all they are like you know you can't remember the last time I put a camera on a rope. I I think it would work, yeah. Especially some of the ones you see that are signpost rubs. Um, but uh, as far as like factoring in where I put the camera, it's not that much. I wouldn't put a camera covering up a rub. Speaking of covering things, I would not put it. (laughs) Yeah, because we did that actually in Kansas on accident one time, and our camera got raged. It got flipped from picture (laughs) mode to video. (laughs) That's how hard they were. (laughs) 
<laughs> but that tree didn't have a rub on it when we put it there. Yeah. Uh, but they, they did shortly after. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, rubs for me are strictly hop, pretty much. Yeah. And, like, knowing that there's a good deer in the area mm. or something. I guess if there's a certain density that, you know, you come across, you can probably be like, man, this might be a place that a deer is bedding close to. Mm-hmm. Or this is a deer, these deer stages here right before he goes yeah. out to this food. You know, so it's it's one of those things where you could make assumptions based off of a lot of them. But like for us, we'll be walking through, say, East Texas on public land. Mm-hmm. And um, if you see a cedar tree, you can kind of bet there's going to be a rub on it. So you kind Especially of look down, you see one. a rub on it and you're like, oh, OK, there's one. And then another hundred yards, you'll see a cedar tree. and You're like, oh, there's one, too. This doesn't mean anything to me. You well, know? there's a rub line thing. I think yeah. it gets a little overhyped. But uh, last year in particular, you think about some of the late season hunts that there was a rub line in there that kind of showed you the buck movement, and, mm-hmm. it, and, it, and it held true. Yeah. So, like, if you're in a situation where you see a line of rubs, say, frequency of 50 yards apart, and they're all headed one direction, um, then I think there's something to it. And you could hang a camera there to understand the deer movement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when hanging cams, what's the main positioning? On trails, food sources, feed trees, question mark. Um, the main position for us, um, I would rather not hang it high unless I feel like my camera is going to get stolen. Probably. Mm -hmm. I just like the field of view better from about four foot up. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would hang it on a trail. I would hang it, uh, to where deer coming down the trail is intercepting about a 45 degree angle on that land on that sensor. So like, um, it would be pointing if it's pointing straight forward at 45 degrees off of that straight point is where the trail um a deer would would set it the sensor off on the trail at maybe 40 feet or something like that Mm -hmm. so that you've got a little bit of time for it to get take the picture and and get the deer on a food source uh pretty much put it perpendicular to a fence line a lot of times um just facing out into the food source you could face it down one way or another it'd probably be pretty effective too and on a feed tree i'm guessing that's like a oak tree that's dropping acorns or a persimmon apples um, pennsylvania apples too yeah, yeah. Um, maps got challenged plums. you can go check out some sweet feed tree uh pictures from pennsylvania yeah. this year we stuck that one we stuck up high and because it was on public and faced it down mm-hmm. at like the food source and we got a bunch of pictures of deer from over the top a bear so. raged it and knocked it down even further down so right. straight down pictures yeah. yeah so um that's one way to do it uh or you could just face it out but i would imagine you know if it's just a fe- fe- feed tree that's out in the middle of a pasture or whatever then you're going to have to put it on that tree or get you a stake or something. But mm-hmm. I feel like either way, it's kind of conspicuous. Yeah. So. Uh, one thing I would just add <clears throat> is that you need to understand the field of view of your camera. We run those Moultrie Deltas a lot, and I like them a lot. They take really good pictures. And for a cell cam, they are fairly inexpensive for what you're getting. Mm-hmm. I really have enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. However, the limiting factor is that they have a narrow field of view. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so... It's not that it's bad, but you just need to consider that whenever you're pointing it at something. You can't point it, uh, like say, you can, but I wouldn't. Say you're hanging it on a feed tree and you're pointing it at something 10 feet away, you're going to get some real tight shots. Yeah. You're going to want to hang that thing like 30 feet from what you're trying to get pictures least, of. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think another thing now that you mentioned it to consider is um, the frequency with which you upload on a cell cam mm-hmm. and if you don't necessarily use a cell camera 
but even either way, also the frequency um, that the pictures take. So, for instance, on a trail, which was the first example, um, you would want, I think you want to put that on the lowest setting so that it can take the most amount of pictures because mm-hmm. what's going to happen, especially during the rut, is a doe is going to come by and set it off. And if you're not triggering again in 5, 10, 30 seconds, then you're going to miss the buck that's right behind. And that's where burst times. mode comes in handy too. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So burst mode. But then if you're on a persimmon tree or a big white oak that's dropping right now um, and you're facing it, you know, at the canopy of that tree, um, you don't want to do that, have a picture every five seconds because you're going to eat your battery alive mm-hmm. doing that. So um, probably just, uh, you know, think about that and you'll have to test it some, but, you know, maybe a minute, maybe two minutes or something like that give you a few less uh, pictures to have to go through. Um, good question. Bo- uh, bottom land or natural gear, KC? Ooh, natural gear probably. Yeah. Bottom land is good, but natural gear is a little lighter. Yeah. That's what I like too. I like lighter patterns overall, usually. Um, but you know, in certain, I mean, out here in East Texas, bottomland is you know be pretty snazzy, pretty good. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just depends depends on where you're at. Uh, lighter, the lighter the pattern, usually the easier or the harder it is to see at distance. So you'll like bottomland looks good when it's just you and me sitting here. But like if you were to sit, if you're out on the plains in bottomland and out on plains in natural gear at 200 yards, yeah. I would be like, you look whoa. like a boulder. You look like out there. a Bigfoot yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how important is the pattern? This guy says he only has old school mossy oak. You uh, know how I know it's a guy? Because this is a hunting channel, and <laughs> we literally, uh, I found out that our a lot of our lady, we do have a few ladies that listen, but like a lot of our uh, YouTube ladies are actually dudes on their wives' profiles. That makes sense. Yep. <laughs> yeah, makes better sense. Um, uh. I would say it doesn't matter a whole lot. Uh, the only thing I would be wary of is if it's old, sometimes that stuff starts to fade, and then it's not a good light. It's a bad light like color. Like a white? Yeah, like a, like a fuzzy-looking white color. So um, I would just avoid that. But, I mean, dude, you've killed some giants out of some, you know, a gorilla suit that's real tree. Uh, what was that? No, that's not. It's before Advantage. Extra. Advantage with them big leaves on it. That stuff's cool. It is, dude. It looks good. Um, <clears throat> so I don't think that, dude. This is a cliche, but people have been killing deer out of flannels on a, for a long time. Oh, you, you don't need no, you know, first sick, whatever. You know, cool you whatever it takes. You don't. You don't. You don't have to have that stuff. Yeah. Where those where those brands excel is in the apparel. Essentially, not just not the camo pattern necessarily, but it's like technical gear. Technical, yeah. Mm-hmm. It it fits good. It's comfortable. It's yeah. uh, warm mm-hmm. or well waterproof or whatever. It's hard to look like a gorilla in Sitka. Like usually, yeah. it's pretty form fitting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But if you don't care about how you look, then that is fine. Yeah. Because I don't really care either. So uh, I just like for it to fit well mm-hmm. and be comfortable. Best cold weather outer, or it says outers, but I just give them your favorite one or two. <clears throat> I don't know because it, I think it matters more. What I would just say uh, because I like to layer the best outer I have found is probably that Stratus jacket because it blocks wind really good. But otherwise, I don't know. I like my natural gear when I got two. It's it's for natural gear for the price does pretty good when it comes to cold weather. Yeah, I like my I like the walls. Cover all that I, I bet have. you do. 
That is what I love. I wish I could find some of those. That'll wear them too. Well, I should do some searching. I have. Oh, have you? I look on Facebook Marketplace all the time for some old school camo stuff because some of that stuff's good. People ain't giving it up. Mm-mm. Vein configuration. Four fletch. Four fletch. Heavy or light? I've heard arguments for both. I guess that's uh, um, we already talked about that in the last Q and A. So arrows. We already I would talked imagine. about it. Um, Heavy grain broadhead. That's one twenty five. In case you didn't hear the last one, um, if you could only use. One pair of boots all season. What are they? Uh, probably hikers. Really? All, if if I had to do all season, yeah, I'd I don't probably want, go rubber. I don't want to do a mile in a Nebraska in rubber boots. I don't either, but I don't want to do uh, December through a swamp. Don't. Here's my answer. Don't do that. <laughs> yes. Buy a cheap pair of rubber boots and have you know if you only got a hundred dollars to spend. Go buy you a $60 pair of hikers and a $40 pair of rubber boots. Yeah. Good and call. if you don't have $100 to spend on shoes, Probably shouldn't be I'm hunting. sorry, dude. <laughs> you got to work a little overtime this month. Hunting's expensive. It is. Um, what will pull East Texas deer to a feeder in October when acorns are hitting the ground? Spelled A-K-E-R-N-S. I like Spelled this, correctly. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh-uh. they're just going to have to be one of the food sources that they use. They might not be there all the time, but they'll be there. Here's what I think, man. I don't want to offend you at all, but I think that a lot of people have the excuse that the acorns, this is a historical thing, what people like to talk about in October when they're not, when they stop seeing deer mm-hmm. on their feeders is uh, the acorns are falling. Mm-hmm. And I think, man, in my, in my experience, there ain't nothing pulls them like corn. So if they ain't coming to your feeder, it's because they have moved home ranges. It's hot. They don't want to move too far. Um, and or you just are not where they live. Or you bumped them up. Or you bumped you've been them. hunting them too much. Yeah, or you fill in your feeder or whatever, you know. Um, but like the deer just, if a deer is living on my property, as in bedding on my property, and I have corn out, they will be coming to my corn. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how many oaks back there are falling. Or my persimmon trees. Dude, mm-hmm. I've had deer go to the persimmon tree and feed for a couple minutes and then come right over to corn. Mm-hmm. But they're there because that's where they are. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think that the main thing when you feel like that deer are on the acorns and not on your feeder is more more than anything. It's just that they live far from your feeder, mm-hmm. you know, farther than they would feel comfortable with. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to offend you at all, but that's just my thoughts on it. Um, this year, you shouldn't have that problem because there's hardly any acorns. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what we've noticed. Um, best sticks you have used? Hmm. Best is tough. As far as lightweight. This would be a climbing stick, I would assume. Yeah. Not a shooting stick or a stick that uh, your camera guy may be throwing around in the tree. Your muddies are pretty hard to beat, really. Muddy pros. I love uh, them things. I like those hawk three steps. I know people they get hated on some, but I haven't used them in ex- to a uh, heavy extent. I'd like um, to use them some this season. Yeah. Um, we used we've used this year already. We've used the muddies. We've used those hawks. We've used uh, the carbon timber ninjas. We've used XOP single and XOP double step. Um, this is XOPs. If it, the weight is the problem. Pretty heavy. Otherwise, I love them. Yeah, but they're just so, they're just very heavy. They're I wouldn't say so heavy. You know, they're not iron. But you can just tell that they're yeah a lot. They're heavy. Um, I just love my muddies. The only thing if oh, there's two things if my muddies 
they become clanky because they loosen really mm-hmm. easily. If they had, if they could solve that, and then the nesting is not the best. It's mm-hmm. it's really hard. I mean, I've gotten to where I can get them nested almost every time, but it takes a little work, especially in the dark, right after you pull out of a stand uh, in the evening. But they, I love them. I can go up a tree so quick with those muddies, dude, because it's mm-hmm. cam lock. So mm-hmm. you just pull the string around, go through, and I know a quick little knot, and it's game over. Yeah. I mean. So. I like them. Um, I'd say, man, just there's uh, there's groups on Facebook that dudes have a lot of experience with that, a yeah. lot more than we do. So as far as all that goes, you can probably find some information there. And <clears throat> just find you some sticks you can get into a tree with. And, you know, I mean, Hunter last year was hunting with something he built in the ag department in high school or something, I think. <laughs> I mean, they were giants. You just be tough and go up a tree. That's right. And then, you know, if you got money, man, just buy a few different pairs and sell sell them on Facebook after you figure out which ones you want. Um, how many sticks are you carrying and why? Depends on where we're at. We got a, we got a lot more questions, so let's keep, keep uh, rolling. So pretty much four. Just that way, because it's just yeah. each one's a pound and a half or whatever. So I carry three a lot, but yeah. it just depends on what trees I think I'm going into. Yeah. What makes a great release? Dependability. Something you can depend on and that uh, it's uh, consistent. Yeah. You know, Cobra's engineered with um, few moving parts. That's what Jake always talks about is we've got, we don't have hardly any moving parts in this thing. So there's not much to fail, Mm -hmm. you know? So um, if it fails, then maybe it's uh, user error. Who knows? I, I don't know a lot about releases. I just know that I've used a Cobra for a long time and I have been able to depend on the two releases that are Cobras that I've had over the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a good question. Maybe we should have Jake on to answer that sometime. Can you make a video of the setup you use for camping in a truck? We could probably do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I haven't ever slept in the back of my truck really too much. We did one time at the Lano, um, but KC plans on doing that soon. So maybe he can come up with some good thoughts for you guys. Yep. Um, how cold does it get in the back of your truck in the winter? Have you ever done much of that? Not in the winter. Okay, no. me neither. Um, how are you getting your kids into hunting? Mm, well, mine likes to throw out corn for the deer, but he's also a year and a half. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, mine doesn't like guns, so I don't blame him. And uh, <laughs> they're loud and they kick you pretty hard. So, um, we're working through that. Have you ever tried zinger fletches? Mm-mm. Um, I'm not technical enough to just try out all types of veins. In your opinion, are the $100 broadheads like Iron Wheel and uh, solids really worth the extra coin? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm just going to say controversial things here. Solids not because they are not owned by the original company anymore. And what happens is whenever conglomerates buy things, they kind of cheapen them. Uh, Iron Wheels, I haven't shot enough to know. Um, I would say that a premium broadhead is nice. Yeah. But uh, you can kill a lot of deer <coughs> with some cheapos. Do y'all soundproof your stealth with stealth strips or anything else? Only thing I do is I put some uh, um, tape or paracord on my saddle platform because there's a point of contact with yeah. two pieces of metal when they fold up, but that's it. I need to do that, but um, I don't, and instead I'm just really careful. But using your setup a few times can get you really familiar with it, mm-hmm. um, and then you can know what has a propensity to ding um you ever have a problem with your grunt call freezing up when it's bitter out Mm -mm. i don't think i have either um 
That means you've been blowing on it too that's much. That's exactly <laughs> what I was just about to say. It's like when you're duck calling, you know. Yeah. That's the only reason that happens is because you've been spitting in it. Um, but maybe not. That maybe not. I don't. I don't live in Minnesota or anything, so uh, I haven't had that problem. Sorry, dude. Uh, what do you feel, or when do you feel most confident rattling? Um, when the deer are hype. Like, so I want to see prime rut. Yeah, I want to see action. Yeah, and, and even late rut. Um, mm-hmm. because I feel like the bucks are kind of, it's kind of like, I, I don't live this way, but I know this is the thing that happens. Um, around 10 PM at the social establishments, everybody's pretty chill, but around one fifty-five, everybody's like hustling, mm-hmm. if you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think deer are that way too. Uh, and I think that, you know, around November 18th through the 25th, they're like, okay, wh- 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 where's she at? Yeah. 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 Um, I'll answer this. What packs are y'all running? We're running the tool belt, and we may be changing that up some. Uh, do you go in on a hunt with a meat hauling pack or after a kill? After. That's what well, I uh, deer. Do. For deer, yeah, after. Yeah. How do you pack your saddle setup? Uh, I have been wearing my saddle when it's less than a quarter mile. I've been packing it when it's more than a quarter mile, and I have been putting my platform high on my pack so I could get to it with one arm whenever I'm in the tree. Yep, strapping it in on the back. Um, I strap my my saddle actually on top of the platform too. Uh, <coughs> do you prefer ginger lemon or pomegranate health aid booch? This is a dud the stud question. <laughs> uh, I haven't tried the pomegranate health aid. My favorite right now is that pink lady apple. It's good. Yeah, pomegranate. I would definitely prefer, even though I haven't had the ginger lemon lemon uh, lemon because I just know I don't like the ginger drinks really. Late season Illinois layers for a southern man as much as you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to know what Casey thought of natural gear. Uh, what you used to think? That's what, what you used to past think. tense. I think <laughs> that's what he said. What you used <laughs> it to says play. thought. Oh yeah. Uh, I like the pattern on Natural Gear. I think it's one of the best camo patterns out there. Uh, I don't like the Natural Gear 2, which is the one with the green and stuff in it. I yeah. don't use that a lot. Uh, the original Natural Gear is hard to beat. Um, the stuff is definitely made overseas, you know, cheaper stuff, and it's heavier weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it'll keep you warm. It's actually really quiet. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of it's fleece, um, and it's inexpensive. Um, what time of year were y'all in South Dakota and what were the temps heading there for rifle this fall? We were there, uh, basically September, say September 30th through October 8th. Uh And, um, the temps were on the warm side. I feel like maybe, but it was like probably 80 is the highest and maybe a little bit more. And at night we had like a couple of nights that were in the low, low to mid forties, um, Overall, though, it was warmer than that at night because we had a bunch of humidity for some reason. I guess we had that storm system. Um, but last year, it was into the lower 30s when we were up there. So um, that gives you an idea. It's, I think it's going to start getting pretty cold as cold fronts come in, though. So I would wear a lot if you're going to be up there in <laughs> rifle. Do you pack your layers in or wear them? Pack. Pack, for sure, as many as I can. I'll tell you this, even in a cold, cold weather, the worst part is of filming your buddy is that you may be sitting there at the truck with a t-shirt on while he's getting all his junk ready and mm-hmm. freezing yourself, you know, freezing your booty off. But like, um, really like going in in the lightest layer you have, even when it's really cold, usually is the way to go. 
I would say. You feel pretty good about that? Absolutely. Um, do you wear anything to break up your outline early season, such as a Jahili? No. Me neither. Just um, don't get seen. Don't get seen. The movement is the key. If you uh, if you listen to one of our episodes we did a long time ago about the uh, eye of the deer, the move, the uh, that's a good one. Sight, deer sight. Yeah. Um, it talk. He talks about how they're designed to see movement. Um, what's your preferred footwear in a saddle? A stiff soled boot. Yep. <sighs> Which doesn't. That's not always what I wear, but that's <laughs> what it would be the best. Uh, recommendations for rubber boots when walking several miles of mountainous terrain. Don't do that. I, I, I don't know, man. Sorry. Uh, I don't mean Those to. lacrosse are, are... They're comfortable. I mean, I, yeah. I've never gotten a actual... getting Gotten a blister from mm-hmm. lacrosse boots. I don't mean to come off like snot or anything when I answer some of this stuff, but some of it is just like, man, I wouldn't do that. You know, I just wouldn't wouldn't put myself in that situation. But yeah, the I have the... If you have to walk through a creek or a river at the very beginning or something, mm-hmm. you know, I can understand why, mm-hmm. but maybe... You know, if it's a, if it's, it's the very the, beginning, just take some boots with you. Yeah, you drop know? drop those and put on regular boots. Yep. That way, when you come back, somebody will have stolen them. Because <laughs> you ain't alone on these public lands. Eric found that uh, out this morning. That's right. Um, he's hunting ten yards from it. <laughs> uh, what Graham boot do you wear? Uh, Instagram. I wear zeros uh, <laughs> until it's below thirty two, and then I switch to eight hundreds. Yeah, I think I have four hundreds. I think I do have some thousands too. Um, what type of release do you shoot? We already talked about this. I but shoot a, a, hook, a hook style. You shoot a du- dual caliper. Dual caliper. Um, how do you keep your electronics charged while on the road? Mm, lots of truck chargers. Yep. And uh, we have those Anchor 20,000 millihertz or whatever they are, um, portable battery packs. Yep. That's the way we do it. Um, last question. Bite the bullet and buy a new camper top, or is it easy to find a used one? I drive mm. a Tundra. You know, honestly, I think there are some Tundra ones you could find on Facebook Marketplace. But um, I'm not going to tell you if we've done this or not. But I think you could probably come out easier to buy a new, buy a new one. Yeah. It'd take you a while to find a used one. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, just depends on your income. Yeah. So that kind of wraps up our Q&A for so far. We may do one later in November or something like that. But <laughs> right now you guys have gotten some questions in. They're good. If you want to continue sending us some stuff and we get a bunch of them, uh, we may sprinkle like five or ten quick blast questions into mm-hmm. a podcast somewhere. But we've got, like I said, a lot of rut stuff coming up that's hopefully going to help everybody uh, learn from each other. Um, I'm excited. I've learned from from these guys that we've interviewed already, and I'm I'm ready to put some of those actions into place as far as decoying and getting on the ground and some of this cool stuff, man. That's going to be really awesome in early November. Don't forget that we have a lot of stuff coming up on YouTube right now. We've got um, the whole South Dakota series is releasing three bucks die in it. So I know not every video has a dead buck in it, but just, you know, be patient. There's some pretty cool encounters that we've got coming up, close calls. Um, really had a blast out there and mm-hmm. really just, I know we were all exhausted, but we put in hard work and it paid off, man. And we got, you know, we got things done out there that we went to do. And I was, 
I was pumped about we it. We saw dude. what happened. We saw what happened. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, you know, we've got got that stuff coming up. And then from, from here, man, it's just uh, some Texas Public stuff. We actually got some cool footage from Texas Public the other day. So we're working on that kind of stuff. Um, anyway, guys, make sure you check out YouTube. Subscribe there. Subscribe here on the podcast as well. And remember, this is your element. Living it. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY.